If I can keep those young cells alive in the laboratory and collect their secretions, which are really called exosomes, I can get those growth factor and messenger RNA proteins that we're really looking for, that we lack at our age, uh, and replace them. So they get your current cells to function like normal cells, not extraordinarily growing cells, just normal cells. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. My name is Duncan Ross. I'm, I have a PhD in uh, allogeneic stem cell transplantation and a suppression of graft-versus-cell disease using these types of cells. I'm from the hematology department. And just for fun, I decided I'd go read the hematology book that is given to the medical school students, you know, and see how, where it touched. And it really, there were only about two paragraphs or less about what I did in bone marrow transplantation. But if you can find a book on bone marrow transplantation, not regenerative medicine, bone marrow transplantation, for six since 1950s. Right. So it's been around a while. A long time. And so there's all kinds of knowledge that, that has been imparted. Even the proteins that are involved, the cell types that are involved, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Just reading that book would make you understand what to do from that point on, rather than listening to everybody making stuff up and every provider of products telling him it does one thing, it does the other. Right. You know, we already know what these cells do, and we have for 70 years. That is why I got into regenerative medicine, because I saw this, you know, quote unquote BS. And I was like, well, I'm going to go into that field where, you know, I know what I'm talking about and other people don't. So tell us what we don't know. So for instance, I could have told you whether stromal vascular fraction from fat or bone marrow was going to be better to treat a knee, uh-huh. an arthritic knee. Why? You might say, well, but there's more mesenchymal stem cells than fat. You know, that's been shown. Yes, that's true. Fine. But what about all the other cells that are in bone marrow? There are HSCs, there are myeloid-derived suppressor cells, there are regulatory T-cells, and all those things together are all super anti-inflammatory because it's the bone marrow. The fat can be inflammatory if you're fat, obese, right? So you would have known from the very beginning that if you're trying to stop inflammation, go with the bone marrow, don't go with the fat. Now, if you're looking for an exercise in the matrix, fine, maybe you want to use the fat, but we'll combine the two. And in fact, at the last year's Toby, I didn't go to this year's, uh, everybody was starting to combine the two. You know, oh, it's bone marrow, and, bone marrow fat. and fat together. Okay. Oh, well, we'll just throw everything we got in there. You know, you could have come to that you know, conclusion a lot earlier. And so I still have no problem with bone marrow. The problem is the bone marrow is old and you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip. So I can't get regeneration out of older patients who don't have cells to begin with. 
So you have to, you know, understand some of these older patient cells, no matter how many you give them. I mean, I, I can expand them, and I used to do that. Take a 90-year-old man, take his bone marrow, expand it, give him 20 million of his own of mesenchymal stem cells, and nothing happened. Nothing. Was it because of the strength of the cells? Or it's they... because the cells are epigenetically closed, which is what happens over time, and it's supposed to happen. We're not supposed to be able to drink milk when we're older, right? The lactase gene, and specifically the, the gene that controls the lactase gene, gets closed over epigenetically and it doesn't function, so you don't make lactase. There's some, you know, some white northern Europeans that have that mutation that allow that gene to be, be expressed for longer periods of time. But every gene works like that. IGF, HDF, all these things are supposed to be closed over time so that you stop growing. Otherwise, we'd all be 100 feet tall. So it's better to... It's better to use young cells. Right to try to open up those processes. And where do you get the young cells? Well, the one that everybody talks about today is core blood. However, those core blood cells are allogeneic cells. So if I really wanted to do a leukemic bone marrow transplant on you, I would need three core blood banks to put into you to regenerate your immune system, A. But B, I would have to condition you to the point where you'd be dead immunologically if we weren't there to take care of you. I would have to chemotherapeutically or radiologically right. wipe out your immune system. Right. right. Otherwise, yep. those cells get rejected in four to six hours. So this idea that where you're putting cord blood in the clinic setting into somebody and those cells are going anywhere or doing anything is beyond false. Okay. That's one thing. Second of all, just the act of thawing that vial in your hand with DMSO in it in the clinic, as soon as DMSO gets to room temperature with those cells, it kills the cells. So the way you do it in a laboratory is you get it out of that DMSO immediately into large volumes of medium, stuff that you're not going to do. So none of that logically makes any sense. However, if I can keep those young cells alive in the laboratory and collect their secretions, which are really called exosomes, I can get those growth factor and messenger RNA proteins that we're really looking for, that we lack at our age, uh, and replace them. So they get your current cells to function like normal cells. Not extraordinarily growing cells, just normal cells. Normal anti-inflammatory cells, normal growth patterns, normal anti-tumor effects, just the, whatever a normal baby cell acts like, and yeah, it wants to grow, but it doesn't want to grow in a tumor-like fashion, it just wants to grow. Right. And that's what happens. Interesting. So basically you go from adipose and bone marrow to umbilical, which you find that there's no real live cells any longer, to using the excretions from the manipulated mesenchymal cells. Could have come from an umbilical cord. I personally don't use umbilical cord. I use placenta for a small reason, but umbilical cord mesenchymal stem cells are a good source of mesenchymal stem cells. you can get your hands on yeah, if you can use manipulated umbilical cells or placental cells, would you use those over exosomes? No, because they're still third-party. They're allogeneic. They would be rejected. I can't get a placental cell out of you, so if I put it back in you, it would be rejected right away. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allografts, exosomes, supplements, legal health, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly Special. On with the show. 
there is a nature article saying that stem cells are immune evasive, not immune privileged. The reason for that is we have class one MHC on our cell surface and class two. Class one has to be there, otherwise the cell is going to reject it, uh, period, because it thinks it's a virus. Class two is there on some types of cells, specifically macrophages, monocytes, things like that. Class two will get rejected very quickly. Class one gets rejected a little slower. So a mesenchymal stem cell is immune evasive, but it is not immune privileged. It is going to get rejected just a little bit slower than, say, a macrophage would. Would amniotic fluid or amniotic tissue be rejected by another person's body? Well, amniotic tissue, that's just the actual tissue, no. But the cells that are in that tissue, yes. That's why the FDA has said that you can't have cellular products in your amniotic fluid anymore. They're not going to let you sell the tissue anymore because people like to inject that shit in intravenously. And then there's a problem with embolism. But the actual structural fibers, no, that's fine. If you're going to do an IV treatment, what should you use? Well, we do, um, I'm going to say you use exosomes. And remember, I've done everything else. I started where everybody here started. When I, I got out of graduate school, I knew people were using mesenchymal stem cells. I knew MSCs were used to suppress graft-versus-host disease. And I knew that 15 million with MSCs would suppress chronic graft-versus-host disease. So that's where I started going from. Okay, well, I can only get 150,000 MSCs out of somebody's fat. That's a long way from 14 million. Well, maybe let me expand with the 14 million and see what kind of responses I get. So, and I would go IV with these things, you know, they're autologous. I never injected allogeneic cells into somebody because I think that's irresponsible. But in growing different aged cells, I had 18-year-old paraplegic patients and 70-year-old COPD patients. I started to realize that the only ones that were worth anything were the 18-year-old cells. So I started saying, okay, I'm not even going to grow your, your cells anymore, but I will give you the growth factors from the 18-year-old. Because when I took those and put it on the 80-year-old cells, 70-year-old cells, the 70-year-old cells started growing. So that immediately told me in vitro that it was the paracrine effect. I still didn't know what an exosome was. But I knew it's a paracrine effect. And then I started doing research to figure out how that was working. So allographic exosomes are okay? They're okay because they're too small. They don't have MHC on the surface of their cell, specifically when you take them from a mesenchymal stem cell. If you took an exosome from a macrophage that was activated, it would have class some class 2. But you still can't see that class 2 with a T cell because it's too small. So that exosome would have to be taken up by another macrophage that would then have to present that class 2 and also be activated for a T cell to, to see it. So there's many more hoops that it has to go through to become out uh, inflammatory. Thinking as a provider, what I run into is you hear so much bullshit. It's this and this is... Well, I, and I know why that is. So there have been tissue yeah, banks around. Yeah, this. No, no, there's tissue banks around for 40 years. Right? Yeah. And... They have to get tissue bank certification. Once they've got tissue bank certification, they're looking for other products that they can get into. That's how this amniotic fluid thing started going. It's one more tissue product to them. Right. However, the other tissue products to deal with, and there's decellularized bone or things that are dead, dead, dead. So how to keep something alive is not something that any of them were ever taught how to do, nor do you need to have that education to have a tissue bank license. So there aren't anybody yet. There aren't any scientists out there that know how to handle cell cell biologists right not present at tissue banks they don't hire them that's scary yeah it's not scary it's just the way it works so it's scary as a provider right yeah as a provider right it's scary to me so i knew in the cord blood banks alone usually have some cell biologists there but tissue banks don't people who went out and started cord blood banks and most of those guys who did start cord blood banks after being in that business for a while and seeing how 
crappy it was as far as begging people to give you their kids support blood. Right. They sold their interest and went and tried to start other things using mesenchymal stem cells. Mesenchymal stem cell based practices like horse mesenchymal stem cells. Right. Or something like that. Right. You got to treat 50 year old. Yes. Okay. That's when things are going to work and when you're going to save people from the trouble of a 78 year old. Now, Doug says that he says that when he applies it, that maybe other guys don't know how to apply it because he's having great success with these older patients. But my experience with people that aren't Doug is that old guys aren't going to, aren't going to do so well. No matter what you use. No matter what you use. Exosome. He thinks that's not true, but I'm saying if you're using SVF and bone marrow and this type of thing on a 75 year old, no. it's not going to work. And what about... Now, the exosomes, I didn't have the exosomes when I was treating those patients. So you don't know. So I don't know. And now I don't bring in the clinical data anymore. Doug does. And I have a group of epidemiologists that I'm paying because we're trying to take this through the FDA as a drug. So I am collating now all of this data. But the only data I have gotten collated is Doug's. And we've sent, um, we've emailed all the other doctors who've been using exosomes and we're trying to get their experiences back so that we can present that to the FDA. You'd have to wait. It takes a long time to get that through. Yeah, if they ever do it, right? And then you're going to try to make a drug out of an exosome. Right. Interesting. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.